with these beautiful faces. Thank you all so much for making time on Christmas Eve. There's a lot going on, but it means a lot that you guys come and gather with us. You know, right now, there's a lot of celebrating that has to do with giving. You know, people are more giving. You've got the Salvation Army Bell person outside Walmart. People are eager to give. People are eager to gather. You've got Thanksgiving, and then you've got family things start rolling around. And where you might, once it's kind of hard to gather people together, people are a little more eager. They make time for it right now. And I feel like... There's the indescribable, uncomparable engulfment of a feeling in the air that people, whether they get it or not, they can't help but be a part of something bigger. And I feel like it brings out the, it can bring out the best in each one of us. I know that a lot of times when you go out, you're in a Christmas service, and they're going to do something a little lighter, maybe. Um, light and airy, that's what I like to say. They may reintroduce the nativity story, keep it fresh. But when I was praying about what to bring forth on Christmas Eve, I kept hearing songs that had lines in this, songs that were called this. And today we're going to be speaking about hope is alive. During this time, who are we singing about? We're singing about Jesus Christ. What form? Emmanuel, God with us and to be honest for God to be with us he's going to have to be in the middle of some not light and airy situations he's going to be in the middle of not he's not in Mary's baby in, in Mary's belly anymore like he's doing stuff he's he's with us in some situations that can seem hopeless to be honest, it seems that way. But I just want to take us a little bit to where the world was when he was, people were waiting. We close Malachi in the Old Testament, the last book of the Bible, and that one flip of a page represents how long? Four hundred years of silence. It's so easy to forget what that means, that one page. And where people, the people of God were used to kings and prophets speaking on behalf of the Lord, and all of a sudden it's like silence. So in all our wonderful humanness, we look back at what the Lord has said, and we decide to add some pretty brutal, uncompassionate rules and regulations to people's lives. That's what we see. And what they were having to go through through 400 years of silence, nothing new coming. 
And how many of us have felt like things have been a little quiet? Like I get active and the Holy Spirit's always moving. We believe that here, no matter what's going on. Like we want him to feel welcome, but we know he is in our midst no matter what. Because we're here and we have Jesus inside of us. But to feel that anticipation, hope is alive. Here's a question. What is hope? A lot of times there's two greater ways that people can look at hope. Hope is wishful thinking. So what do you want for Christmas? Well, I hope I get a puppy. Not in our house. I hope I get the toy, the Lego set that I really want. That's really our house. But it's like hope, like this wishful thinking, a Christmas list type of thing. Or it's, we say it in the sense of it gives us an out. So are you hoping for a house? Well, I hope so. You know, that tone, ah, we'll see what happens. There's this ounce of I give myself an out when I say hope. But if we look in the Bible and we see the definition, in the Strong's Concordance, it is el pizzo, to expect. That sounds a little strong, expect. There's some muscle on that. It's not just, I hope so. I hope, hope for, expect, trust. Those are strong words for hope where you're kind of used to hearing it, da, 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 da. it just kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit. It's easier to say, I hope than I trust. I trust in, I expect for, and hope gets kind of lost in all of this. Now, one thing, when I was envisioning all of these words, I love the movie Twister. Okay, so I'm seeing the last part, and anybody that hasn't seen this, these guys are storm chasers and trying to figure out how to get early warning systems better. But of course, you've got death defying and all the fun stuff. So you've got Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton. And at the very end, they've got their, their, um, their contraption up in the twister. They're, they've saved the day and everything, but now the twister's after them. It's chasing them. And so they're running through cornfields and all this stuff, and they come to all sorts of crazy houses. And then they get to this one shack, and they open it. The boards are flying everywhere, and there are these leather straps hanging from the wall. And he's looking at these, and he knows what to do. He wraps these straps around him. He wraps it around her, and he loops it around this pipe. Now, he knows what that pipe is. That pipe, he's hoping, trusting, expecting to get them through this thing. I learned it is a well pipe. And does anyone know how far down a well pipe goes? The average is 200 feet. I think it's worthy of being trusted in in that scenario. What are we hoping for? What are we putting our trust in? 
Now, in Hebrews 11, 1 through 3, New King James, I'm, I'm really loving the, the, the versions I grew up with. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders, Josh included, obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. That's kind of the one that I grew up on. Let's go to the Passion Translation. Now, faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke, and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. Faith is so beautifully spelled out here. And what's amazing is hope is where the Lord meets our dreams and desires, us personally, like he knows you, each one, and what those dreams and desires are. I know a lot of us, dreams and desires, it can get a, it can get a little interesting with those because it's like, well, how do I know the Lord wills this? And if you're reading your Bible, you're getting to know what God loves. You know, really, it's not that hard. Is it going to bring harm to somebody? Is it going to edify? Is it going to glorify him? So, I mean, if you're praying for somebody's health, he wants that. It's the Lord's will. If you're praying for somebody's financial situation, he wants them to be steady. So, yes, pray for those things. Now, what gets sometimes tricky is when we could be capable of doing it on our own. And it's like, okay, as much as he wants us to be sufficient in him, right? Keep our eyes on him. So then the glory goes to who? Right. Goes to him, not me. Because it's not us, right? The money doesn't even belong to us that might be supplying the door anonymous DoorDash we talked about before. It's, it all begins with him. Another question, do we believe in or for? I was making this list of things that I'm hoping, I'm hoping for things. And first I put, I was talking to Pastor Eric about it. I'm like, hope in this and hope in this. And all of a sudden I heard myself and I go, wait a second. Do I hope in these things or do I hope for these things? Am I placing my hope in these things? How, is my, how do I react to certain situations when I ask myself honest questions? Am I hoping in 
or for. So we're going to dive into a couple of things here. Hoping in or for relationships. If we're hoping in relationships, we're placing them a little higher than what might be wise. So here's some questions you might be asking yourself. Like, what do I tend to do in these situations? Do you break when there's a breakup? Does your world come to a screeching halt when friendships or romantic relationships hit a hard patch? You are done. I mean, everything stops. Do you run to people first? We have all done this. It's not like we're immune to need it. We need people. The Lord made us to have relationships with one another, but there's this order he wants. He is a jealous God for good reason. It's a protection. It's a protection from a lot of these things. They get out of order, and you see what happens. Your world breaks over this when there is an alternative. It doesn't have to. It'll hurt. It's okay to hurt, but it doesn't have to come crashing down. Now, with God, we're putting our hope for these relationships. We're laying these things down at his feet. When we have our hope for relationships, who do we want the main relationship with? And in 1 Timothy 4.10, it says, that is why we labor and strive. Anybody else labor? We got to strive sometimes. Because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior for all people and especially to those who believe. I think a gracious and generous God who came down to this earth to be with us, to wear skin, feel hunger, feel aches and pains, make jokes, I want to live for him. And I want people to see that it's wildly amazing to live for him. The next thing is hope in or for provision. Now, provision is a fancy word of saying meeting your needs, being provided for. And... One thing, if you're putting your hope in provision, a couple of sermons ago, I was, we were talking about money, money rescue, and I brought up hiding the cereal under your bed. Like, are you hiding something just because you don't want to get rid of it? Are you keeping it under there so you don't have to share? You're scared that it's going to go away, so you never even eat it. So now it's old. Do you still hide the cereal under your bed? Do you give tithes and offerings? This time of year, I don't know, things get cold, and I start seeing need. 
it's like it glows, whether it's the homeless person or the house that looks a little, you know, you can start sensing where people are at. It brings out something in my heart. And I ask myself, am I joyful or critical when I sense a move on my heart to give something? Something, and it may not be money. There might be, I might have a water bottle in my car. I might make a point. I have a blanket in my car. You know, I have, I honestly have like five because my girls are always saying they want a blanket. So you see a homeless person's like, really? Am I gonna freak out over feeling moved to give a blanket to somebody that looks like they could really use it? Just because I'm afraid. I'm like, I gotta keep things close to me. When we put our hope in the Lord for our provision. In Matthew 6, 28, 30. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they neither toil nor spin, even though we do. And yet they say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe us? And I see some well-clothed, good-looking people in here. He's got us. He's got us. Our next is hope in or for our identity. Now, I feel like this one, identity, can be pretty intense. It can go synonymously with status. You know, I see... I'm on social media. I'm uploading our sermons, and, you know, we see all sorts of things getting recommended, and I feel like everything's branded. You seen that? What's a good tagline? What's the good hashtag? What's the good filter? What's the good effect? What's the good transition animation from this scene to this scene? And it's like my identity is in these things? Is it in the cool podcast title? Is it in the, the font, even though I love doing these things? It's like, is it in that? So I have to ask myself, am I looking to popular things to steer what I like or dislike, who I like or dislike? Do I imitate someone because of their status or because of their proven character? So we're big peanuts people in our house. Oh my gosh, Annabelle can turn into Snoopy like that. And I'm like, to a certain point, I can't hardly stand how much they call Charlie Brown stupid. <laughs> but I'm just like, okay, Lord. But it's interesting when you see them and you see Lucy, who's kind of the cranky little girl, and Charlie Brown, who's always kind of get put down. But then when it counts, his character shines. He lays himself down. He says, no, I, didn't, I don't want the credit for this. I actually didn't do this 
test and get 100%. It's somebody else's. You switched it. He gets to this one point where he doesn't get to perform his magic show that he and Snoopy worked so hard on because he wants to go help his little sister not get booed off the stage. Like, when it came down to it, when it came down to the Lord not saying, angel armies, come rescue me from this cross, he said, no, I have to go through this. Our identity, when we put our hope for our identity, God, I want to be who you have created me to be. Where? How do I know what that is? We get stuck in our calling. What is my calling, Lord? And then it's like, okay, right now I'm a wife and a mom. Okay, so that's my calling. But you feel like there's so much more. Husband, business owner, father, whatever it is, brother, uncles, aunts, all of those things are great places to start. And you feel like, but there's so much more. So let's see. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. But God still loved us with such a great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy, even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ. That's our identity. And saved us by his wonderful grace So if we're with Christ, he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and he and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. You've got authority. You've got authority. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. You know, when I have notes and you want to, there's like good stuff in here. And you're like, everything is so important, you feel like. And then you kind of get a little lost in the words. And then it's like, authority, Holy Spirit, I want you to flex your muscle in our lives, Lord. I don't want to get so caught up in this being a pastor, speaking, sharing. I don't want to get so caught up in this that this, what even gives it life, what makes it better than a reference book? What makes it better than a reference book? The Bible? The Holy Spirit, the power is what separates it. Jesus is alive. And finally, do we put our hope in or for answers? When you're answer-driven, I know I like a good research thing. I want to know who that was in that movie and what, but when I'm putting my hope in answers, I mean, there's so much knowledge out there, right? And then then it's like, well, is it even real like is that answer even is now you have to do all this other research to see if that source was true and faithful and trustworthy do we ask ourselves do i look and we're getting real emmanuel god with us i don't care where you're at these are honest questions 
Do you look to substances, habits, unhealthy actions to fulfill your question? Do you think that being able to answer all the questions is the be all and end all? Do you think the answer, I don't know, is paralyzing? Is it hard to say, I don't know? Do you think having all the degrees or achievements will bring you security? When it comes to answers, it's interesting. There's a lowercase answer and there is an uppercase answer. And when I think of the season that we're in and what we are celebrating as my wonderful daughter, what does Christmas mean? You know, like deep down she knows, but for her to just kind of say it out loud, but then it forces me to say it out loud, baby, the word is right in there. Christ mess. And then we get our Mexican in there, more moss. <laughs> Christmas. I'm like, Jesus coming. The answer that they were all waiting for. Is anyone else waiting for an answer? I've got this situation, and I don't quite know how to steer. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know how to navigate this hard conversation that has to happen. I don't know. I feel like I want to make the phone call, but I, my hand shakes. Or, God, I, I'm in the DMV. I've got to renew my license. God, I know how driving works, but God help me with these answers. And then it's the big stuff. He cares about the little stuff he does. He cares about, do I feel like chocolate? Do I care like a caramel macchiato? Or do I want a mocha? And the next thing you know, I think it's so amazing when we make what seems small decisions and how that decision, if we let him in to just the small ones, what will happen next? No, I got the red sweater and I decided the next day I was gonna wear that. And then I went to the bank and this lady coming out of the bank is like, you look like Christmas. And then you get a conversation going. That wouldn't have happened if I would have got the black one. You know, it's, it's so interesting. And yes, that really happened. So it's like, you just never know. So then in the answers, when we're hoping for answers, hoping, expecting, trusting the Lord for the answers in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 31, I'll tell you, I have leaned big time on this chunk of verse when asked to be the pastor here. Because I'll tell you, I don't feel very wise or mighty. I feel like, really? And then people are like, yeah, yes, yes. And then I read this and I'm like, this is it right here. This is the answer. But God who has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. 
And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Has anybody felt like the foolish choice? Like, that doesn't make sense. Felt a little weak in this situation. This is why. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. I don't want the glory. It's too heavy. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories let him glory in the Lord. So when we're looking for answers, we might be thinking, we might be tempted to say, I'm the answer. It's the Jesus in us. Because we want to make sure, when I was looking at all of these, there's so many times that it's really our protection that he's looking out for. Because if we start getting ourselves higher up, if we get any of these things higher up, it's pushing his covering out of the way. I don't think I want to do that. I don't want this world's money to cover me. Right? I don't want, as much as I love my parents, I don't want them the be-all and end-all covering of me. I want a 200, 300 foot down in the ground sort, sort of pipe type of thing. I want the Lord that doesn't move, that doesn't change, that has this incredible book that is never changing. It'll get translated, all these things, but really, he, I want him to be the glory in my life. It's too heavy for me. I'll break. Anybody else? Yeah. Tried to be the answer, tried to be the provision, tried to save somebody, and it's like, um, it's not working. This isn't working. Last question. What are you hoping for? Go ahead, Cynthia. So I know a lot of times we get to these holidays can bring out some real hopes. I hope I get to see my son. I hope the money is going to come in so I can provide. I hope, like these are real, not just these little things. I hope they have dark chocolate instead of milk chocolate. Like these are real things coming up in this season. And sometimes when I when I've seen people's reaction to hope in my own life, when things have not turned out the way that I thought they were going to, and I'm faced with the word hope, I get scared. I'm like, I don't want your hope. You'll see it in movies. Don't bring up hope. I'm, I don't, don't warm me up to that because it's, it's too hard to believe. It's too hard for me to trust that that'll happen. Maybe it's, it feels like hope is just out of reach. Just uh, every time I try, it just seems out of reach. What are you hoping for? What are you hoping for that'll actually get some muscle on it? Holy Spirit, grab it. 
think about it. What are my, what am I hoping for today? In the way that hope is used, it says to hope, actively waiting for God's fulfillment about the faith he has inbirthed through the power of his love. Where hope seemed unattainable and even foolish, now it is alive. It's alive. He was breathing. Capital H, hope, is breathing after being birthed in this world. He is alive. Hope is alive. You can believe I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and we're going to pray. This was a new beginning, 400 years of silence. There was something in the air, not just the joy of giving and anticipation of something greater like right now, but something greater than us is being accomplished. And we now have an opportunity to join with it. If someone hasn't accepted Jesus in their heart, you have an opportunity right now to join in another level of celebration. The sky opened up. The angels sang Jesus into the world. Now we are part of that. We are part as we walk, as we do, as we hope, as we trust, as we expect. It is our testimony of believing Jesus is alive. Maybe you look at yourself in the story, you may see yourself as one of the shepherds. They're working hard, they're not really educated, but they know how to work hard. Maybe you might have a little Pharisee. I know sometimes they get a really bad rap. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. You're educated, you know the word, and you're waiting. You're waiting, I'm hoping. Maybe you're a Gentile outside of the Jewish culture. You have no idea what is coming, but you feel something. Something is different in the world. And with that, hope quickens. It's not just an empty longing anymore. There is faith attached to that where the invisible makes things visible, where the Lord meets our dreams and desires and his goodness and his faithfulness filters. That's the filter I want. 
on my pictures. I want faithfulness to be my filter. I want gentleness. I want hope to be my filter. Joy, patience, slow to anger. God, whatever hopes are represented in this room right now, I thank you that you are working and moving. Move on those circumstances, those hearts, those minds. And as we go and we celebrate your triumphant first entry into this world, God, bring joy to our hearts and our understanding that we can expect. We can expect. It's coming. Lord, your timing, it's coming. Oh, well, I don't know. No, it's coming. Well, you think kind of, no, it's coming. Are you sure? Because they, no, it's coming. And I lay it down over and over because I trust you, Lord. God, keep everyone safe. If they're dealing with any sicknesses, if they're dealing with any lack, if they're dealing with any sort of hindrance, Lord, I thank you for meeting them. Do something special in their hearts, in their midst. Move on us as people to open our eyes and see. It's a special time. God bless everyone here. In Jesus' name, Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to our Gateway Sermon Podcast at our Gateway City Church, Clovis Campus. We'll be releasing a new episode every week, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week.